Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were like, how did I get here? Like this surreal moment where you're, you're sitting somewhere and, it, and it, the reality comes around you and you're like, okay, I know I'm here, but how in the world did I get in this spot that I'm in right now? Well, this happened to me about nine years ago, this summer. I took a group of students to Dakar, Africa for a missions trip. And so we left early in the morning. We met here and we jumped in a van and we drove to JFK. And then we got on a plane and we we're going to Dakar, but we had a layover in Madrid, Spain. And I was like, Madrid, Spain, that just sounds cool. It's just a layover, although it was like an eight hour layover. That's just kind of how they do it. We flew Iberia Airlines and we went to Madrid on our way to Dakar. And we're at the airport and it was kind of exciting. It had been a long day. It's kind of exciting. The kids are tired. They're kind of like, you know, falling asleep. And then we eat. And then, okay, it's time to get on the plane. And we're excited. We're going to Africa. What? And so, what do you, you know, when you board the plane, is that called the jetway? That basically, that like hamster tube that takes you to your plane? Is it called the jetway? What's it called? Jetway? Okay. So we're excited, and we get to use our passports, right? And you're like, here it is, here's our passport. And we get on, and I don't know about you, but if you've flown international, it's just things are different. Just things are different. You're used to things a certain way, but they're different when, you've, when you're international. And so we get onto the jetway, and most of the jetways in the United States anyway are like, again, like a tube. There's no windows. But this had a window. It was, the whole side of it was glass. And like, oh, that's cool. So we're boarding the plane, and it's taking a long time. We're, we're in this, you know, we're in this tube, but we can at least see and like, okay. So, um, and we're looking out, and why, are we, why is this taking so long? It's like, not, you know, when you're standing in one of those things for more than a minute, you're like tapping your feet, like you want to get to your seat, right? And it's just like a half an hour, and you're like, oh man, okay, what's going on? So there's two, most doors, uh, our planes have multiple doors, so this, you know, tube's going into one, and then there's one in the back, you know, find your nearest exit, and could be behind you. So this one's, the, the door opens, like, okay, and there's a person coming off of the plane, um, in handcuffs. And there's the authorities, the police, um, are, are holding him. There's multiple, and it's not a very big stairway. And they're holding him, and they're, like, getting him down the plane. And, and I'm just looking out the window, like, is, is this happening? Is this, like, a movie that is on the screen here? Is this happening? And it's, it's really happening. And this guy is not going easy. He's coming off the plane we're going on to. And it's, he's not coming off easy. He's fighting. He's got his hands behind his back. And he's like putting his feet down and, you know, trying to get out. And these guys are holding him. And he has to come walk under us to get to the airport where they're taking him. And he gets to about right here. I'm literally right here looking down at all of this happening. And he's right there. And he looks up. And he's like, Aah! and he's looking up at us. And everybody on the jetway starts screaming and banging on the windows. The, you know, they're like, like, let him go, let him go. We're like, what? no, no, don't let him go. Take him, take him here. I don't know what is going on. All I know is this, is this is weird. So we get on the plane, finally. We sit down. Now we're all spread out 
on the plane. Because this is how you take a youth group to a mission trip is you can't buy all the seats together. You take what you can get. So we're all spread out in the plane. And I'm kind of up in the front. And I'm on the aisle seat. And I'm sitting there close to like where the cockpit is. And we're just sitting there. It's hot. And we're like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. I'm kind of forgetting about all this drama that just happened. Like telling the kids, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and so we're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, this mechanic comes on the plane. And no lie, he's got like a tool, a tool thing with like hammers and screwdrivers sticking out of it. And he goes into the cockpit. Wide open. I'm watching it all happen right in front of me. And literally, they lift up one of the consoles, and he's got like a flashlight on his head, and he's in there like tinkering around with this, and I'm thinking, what is going on here, right? And it's taken a while, and it's hot. The engines are off, so it's not like I'm like, oh, I'll just cool down with this, put this right on me. It's hot. I'm sweating, and I'm, you know, kind of keeping track of the kids, and like, it's going to be okay. Gonna be, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to do a thumbs up somewhere international. That could be something else. I don't even know what to do. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. The mechanic leaves. We're still waiting. Another mechanic comes on, because apparently this guy knows how to fix the situation. But the good news is there's announcements going on all the time telling us what's going on in Spanish. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get a translator. Um, and uh, so he's up there, and he's doing the same thing, and they're... Now it's like an hour and a half, and we're sitting there. We are sweating, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to get there. And so people start getting antsy, okay? There's, there's one guy on the same aisle as me. He's over on the other side of the uh, same row on the other side of the aisle, and he's like, he's like wants to know what's going on. And um, he, starts, he starts hitting on the seat in front of him. He's like, agua. Agua, and I'm like, agua, like that's water. Like, yes, water would be wonderful, but he's like getting everybody in the plane to like join him in this chant, in this protest that's going on right before my eyes, and I just want to get to Africa. Agua, agua. So they come out and they've got trays of like Dixie cups of water, not bottled water, not cold water. I think someone was in the bathroom like filling it up with a little thing, and we're like, Okay, we're going to need more. We're going to need more than that. So that guy leaves, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, we just, just start the engine. Let's go. But I'm worried that the engine's not going to start, or if it does, it's going to stop halfway between there and Africa. And so um, this same guy, the same gentleman, gets up again, and he pulls out a cigarette and a lighter. And I'm like, this is not happening. And he he's flips a little Zippo lighter now there's an open flame on a plane, and I'm in my head freaking out, and it's just really not a big deal, but it is a big deal because you don't do anything that's weird or different or loud or on a plane. You just don't do that. So he's, he's like, he's just like, got his, he didn't light it, but he's threatening, like, you got to do something here. So it's at, it's at this point where I got my head in my hands, because it wasn't before where I was like, where am I when the guy's coming off on cuffs? It's like this point, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, okay. Jason Bourne is not coming out in the front to save us from this if this thing goes south. And I'm like, how are we going to get out of this situation? Because people are getting heated, literally heated. And, you know, and so, and I'm thinking, well, if this all goes down, 
okay, I'm trying to like remember karate moves from when I was a kid when I took karate lessons for like six months and I'm trying to remember the moves and I'm like, wait, I didn't take karate lessons as a kid. Those were figure skating lessons. <laughs> and I'm like, this figure skating lessons are not gonna be helpful without my skates. And those I had to check. They wouldn't let me put them in, in, the, over, in the overhead compartment. So I'm like, okay, Lord, this is you. I've got to just, I'm just praying, Lord, you can get us out of this situation and fast. And it was like one of those sincere prayers where you're like, there's nothing I can do here other than pray to God to get us out of the situation. And within about five minutes, there's another announcement. They did it in Spanish. They did it in Senegalese. And they did it in, in English, which was wonderful. They got us off the plane, which they were, I think, trying to avoid the whole time. But I was happy just to get off of that plane. And we got onto another plane, and we got to Africa, and it was amazing. But it was one of those moments where I was just like, God, where are you? I need you, because I don't know where I am or what I'm doing here with all of these kids that I'm responsible for, and we gotta go, we're going to Africa. Um, and so today's message is on prayer, and the power of prayer, and the different types of prayers we pray in different types of situations that we are in. And there are all kinds of prayers, right? I'm going to list a few here. There's like the one I just did, the prayer for help, requesting immediate intervention. Lord, I need you to do something and do it now. There's personal prayer, right? Quiet prayer. Some of us have prayer journals. We make lists, things that we want to pray for that we typically just pray ourselves with God. Um, there is prayer. I've had prayer where, where I felt like God has, speaks to me directly. In fact, I out loud am praying from God's perspective. And often when he does that, he affirms me, says, Tommy, I love you. We're going to do this. We're going to get through this, whatever it is. There's confessional prayer. That can be between you and God. That can be in a group. There's uh, prayer for healing, prayer for um, you know, sickness, believing that Jesus has taken up our infirmities and still heals today. Um, there's ritualistic prayers, right? Things like we, when we pray before we go to bed or before we eat or before we go on a road trip, we pray for protection. Um, there's prayers with your spouse, things that you pray between the two of you. Um, there's healing prayer. Healing prayer is a term I learned when I was early here at South Shore about inviting Jesus into a scene, typically old wounds that have happened to you, sometimes as a kid or dramatic situations where you can pray and invite Jesus into that moment and he can speak to you and there can be healing in that. Um, there's prayers when we like at Bible studies or small groups where everybody prays. Um, there's pastoral prayers. So I don't know, I grew up in a, in a more traditional type of church. This building, pastor up here, he would every Sunday pray for the needs of the congregation. They say, oh, Margaret's going in for surgery this week. Let's pray healing on her. Or the Andersons are heading out, out on, a, on, a, um, on a missions trip. Let's pray for them. And, and it was wonderful. It was, it was corporate prayer together. Um, this one is interesting, Gabonese-style prayer. So I went, I went to another country before, and this was new to me. We would all gather around in a circle, and we would all pray at exactly the same time. It was weird, but it was really, really powerful. I'm not going to do that today. Um, there is unexpected prayer, right? I was in Boston. Um, I played on a baseball team 
we have our games in East Boston, right next to the airport. And my buddy and I, every once in a while on the way home, like 11 o'clock at night, we're, we'll, we'll go to McDonald's and we'll get a number one. Um, and it's delicious with Coke, the real Coke. It's so good. But it's hard sometimes finding a McDonald's open at that night, especially in Boston that doesn't have a drive-through. So I tapped it in my GPS and I was like, oh, not, you just kind of look, like, closest on my route. Like, you know, this will be two minutes off your route. This will be eight minutes off your route. So I tried this one, and I realized as soon as we got off the highway where we were going, it's the McDonald's right off of Mass Ave near um, uh, a big hospital there. There's a lot of homeless people in that, in that area. I see some heads shaking. So I'm like, oh, Dave, who, my buddy, who doesn't like go into Boston that much, I'm like, this should be fun. And so we pull in, and it's, it's like the middle of summer. This was like two weeks ago, middle of summer. It's like 80 degrees at 11 o'clock at night. Everybody is out. Everybody is out. And we pull into this McDonald's. It's got two lanes. You got to go in, you pick one, and then it you know, funnels into one. And it's backed up. I'm like, okay. We pull in, and someone gets behind me. And I'm like, okay, we're in this. And there are people everywhere. There are people everywhere. They're coming up to the doors. They're, they're you know, I don't know. This is, this is kind of new. So this one kid who I thought came up, he knocked on the window, and I rolled the window down. How you doing? He's like, hey, man. He's like, uh, do you think you can get me a number seven? I said, absolutely. He's buying whatever you want. Um, he's like, thanks, thanks, right? So we're in this, we got the window down, and he's, now he's like with us. And it takes maybe five or ten minutes to get up to the front, which feels like an eternity when there's someone just hanging outside your door with you. So, hi, how you doing? What's your name? And he's like, oh, my name's Cassio. I'm like, oh, that's a cool name. He's like, it's not my real name. He's like, I'm like, is it your stage name? Like, what is that? I don't know what's going on. He's like, no, you know. And he's just, and he starts telling me about his life. And he's like, I'm like, what do you, and I start asking questions. He's like, what do you, you know, how, how's it, <laughs> not how's it going. Um, how are you doing? And, you know, engaging in him. And he's, um, tell, tell me about his life. He's from Connecticut. And the first thing, it was funny. He comes up to my window, and there was a lady right behind him. And he's like, you know, can you get me a number seven? He's like, I don't know why this lady's right behind me. I was like, I don't know why you're at my door asking for a number seven. But I understand. I, so we're talking, and we're going. And, and, and I was just feeling God all over this moment. And I was just like, hey, man, I know you're feeling down. I just, you know, God loves you. He has not forgotten about you, you know, and he kind of was mumbling a little bit and, and, and telling about how he can't get out of the situation, how he got here and how he, I was like, what do you like to do with you? You know, I'm an artist and I want to, and so we finally, at one point, I'm so engaged with him that there was like, uh, you know, the cars had all in front of me and I was like, oh, oh we got to go, come on, <laughs> going up and, um, and we give, you know, we get him his, his food and uh, a strawberry shake number seven, which was two cheeseburgers and a fry. And, and so I pull the stuff out of the bag and I give it to him. He's like, can I have the bag? I was like, sure. Took our stuff out of the bag, gave him the bag. And uh, I was like, and we pulled over. Again, people everywhere, lights, sirens. He's like, um, I'm like can I pray for you? You know, he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, make it quick though. I was like, okay, <laughs> we can do this. Um, and so he's like, you're gonna like, he's like, you're gonna put your hand on my head or something like that? I was like, no, I'm like, like, can I put it on your shoulder, though? And I'm just in my car. And I'm like, got my hand out the window. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just prayed over him. I just prayed blessings on him and, uh, and just tried to encourage him. I prayed for his family, who he was telling me about, his sister. And, um, you know, and he just, he just looked up and he said, man, thank you so much, you know. And then, you know, and then we drive away. 
And we're like, that was, that was wild. That was wild. And um, I just, you know, talking to, my, talking to my friend, he's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, we needed to do that. And um, we were kind of driving away, and I was just like, you know. And then you start thinking, you're like, man, I should have done this, or I should have done more. I should have, you know. And, you know and, was, and God just reminded me, he's like, you did exactly what I needed you to do in that moment. He's like, you prayed for him, and he felt loved. And um, I, I kind of... I don't know. I just, it was an unexpected prayer. And sometimes those things happen. Let's keep moving. All right. Um, Paul spoke last week uh, on worship, right? He said, he said, worship is kind of the sound of the revolution. And I thought, well, if worship is the sound of the revolution, of a Jesus revolution, which we've been talking about, if you haven't been with us, talking about this movement of God, then, then prayer is the voice of the revolution, it's the voice. Any kind of movement, God movement, Jesus movement, call it whatever you want, has to be saturated in prayer. Um, and I, I realize the word revolution for a lot of people might sound a little different. We all, you know, you kind of equate it to wars and things that have happened and, and weapons and, and such like that. And, you know, I was thinking about that. Um, and a Jesus movement or a Jesus revolution has weapons too. It has weapons as well. It's no different. And I want to just read a passage. It's not up on the screen. Um, the next ones will be. But this is Apostle Paul speaking out of Ephesians. He reminds us that our battle is not against the physical world, but against the spiritual. And so our weapons look a little bit different. So this is, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, but this is in Ephesians 6, the armor of God. This is Paul saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything uh, and excuse me. Um, why did I read that wrong? And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breast pra- breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And then he says this to end it, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love the generalization of that. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We pray in the spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayer requests. We have to do it. I want to read this quote from R.A. Torrey. It says, the devil is perfectly willing that the church should multiply its organization and, and its deftly contrived machinery for the conquest of the world for Christ if it will only give up praying. Satan laughs softly as he looks at the church today and says under his breath, you can have your Sunday schools, your YMCAs, your grand choirs and your fine organs, and your brilliant preachers, 
as long as you do not bring into them the power of the Almighty God sought and obtained by earnest, persistent, believing, mighty prayers. Why? Why does he say that? Because prayer is alive. Prayer is active. Prayer is real. And it's the main communication between God and his people. Without the ability to connect with God, without that ability to be able to connect with him, there is no power, there is no affirmation, there is no motivation, there are no miracles. It's not personal. I was thinking of a revolution back in the day, the, our American revolution, and think that there, and I remember reading this, this book, 1776, it's like this, this big, and audible. <laughs> audible. Um, it was incredible, but the, there would be victories that were won here that the king had no idea until months later when they could send a letter and let him know, like, how difficult that must have been to, to, get a, to get a motivational speech from the king to tell him, you're doing great, keep going, whatever it might be. That is our lifeline, is the ability to connect with the creator with our prayers. And that's why it's so pivotal. He just wants us to talk with him. He just wants us to be able to connect with him. He wants us to ask for things. He wants to give us good things. If we can't talk or we can't hear from him, what's the point? How will we know where and what to do? But he gives us this incredible ability to be able to connect with him. And the crazy part about it if you think about it, is that he wants to hear from us. He desires to speak to us and to listen to us and to communicate with us. He wants to know what's important to us, what we care about. Prayer is the key for any kind of movement in the, spi in the spiritual as well as the physical realm. Paul last week said, the enemy is disarmed when we worship together. He said, he can, speaking of Satan, he cannot deceive us because we are united in truth. It's the same with prayer. A united body cannot be shaken by the enemy when we are one, when we are together, when we are united, when we are praying and seeking God together. Okay. I'm going to read some passages here. Okay. Because when I was preparing this, I was like, I'm going to tell a story, a crazy story about going to Africa and being in a scary situation. I want to share scripture, okay? And I want to I do it. I want to pray. I want to spend time together. I want to take the last half of my talk today, and I want to pray. I want you to pray. I want I'll pray some, and there are others that are prepared to pray as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want to read the passages first. And they're going to come up on the screen here in a moment. And I'm just going to read through them. You can read along with me. There's like six or seven of them. But this is important stuff. This is where we, where we get to understand how powerful prayer can be. So I'm going to start in Matthew 18. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. There's more 
from two or three here. So that's good. God is with us. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Just let that sink in for a second. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by power, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The next one is in 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked for in him. Mark eleven, twenty through through 25. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if, any, if, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I want to just pause for a moment before I go to the next one. I would love for us all to take maybe 10 to 15 seconds. I want you to think if you have any offense with anybody, if you need to forgive somebody, if you need to ask for forgiveness, I want you to make a promise in this moment that you will ask for forgiveness or you will forgive someone that has asked for you. There cannot be fighting and quarrels and, and back-talking stuff. Like, that stuff, it has no place in the kingdom of God. Take 10 seconds now. I want you to think, there's any offense someone has against you or you've offended someone. I want you to think of that. It could be something big, it could be something small. Forgot to put the dishes away last night. Promised my wife I would. I owe her an apology. That's okay. It could be something much bigger. Just commit in your heart right now that you're going to take care of that. Matthew 6, 6 through 8. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him more. James 5, 13 through 16. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Two more. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according to God's will. I love that because sometimes we just know we need something and we can't even verbalize it. But God says he helps us in those situations, in those times. The Spirit helps us intercede and connect with God. It's beautiful. And the last one, Luke 11, 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, gives him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There is an action on our parts, something we need to do in order to get what we want, what we're asking for. It says you need to ask You need to verbalize the request, just like Luke was telling us this morning. You need to knock, and the door will be open. James 4, this is not up there, but just a quick one. James 4, 2 reminds us, you have not because you have asked not. You have not because you ask not. One more quote, and then we're going to pray. Another one from R.A. Torrey. His stuff is so good. Prayer is God's appointed way for obtaining things. And the great secret of all lack in our experience, in our life, and in our work is neglect of prayer. Prayer. 